All right, this week on the podcast, we have Rosie Malone. Rosie is an Olympian and hockey roo. She's also an absolutely phenomenal person. We speak about so many gems on this, um, from females in sport and what we can do to keep them in there, picking your happiness over convenience at time and just doing what is right for yourself. Really inspiring conversation. Really enjoyed it. I must say it was probably one of my favorite conversations, even though she has just destroyed me and Sean outside. We think we are athletes, but we have just been proven that we are not, especially not hockey players anyway. But Again, I do believe you will take a lot from it. Share it with your friends. I really listen into this conversation. Really enjoyed it. Let's listen. Remember, today's podcast is brought to you by LSKD, a Brisbane-based clothing company that we believe aligns incredibly well with our brand. Yeah, their active wear is taken over as one of the highest quality outfits on the market. And as well as that, their casual wear is next to none. I personally lived in it while I was in the UK. It's smart, it's casual, and it's stylish. So what more could you want? So from active wear to casual wear, make sure you check them out. You will also re- receive 10% off at checkout by using the code REBUILD. And by using them, you are helping us grow this podcast. And everyone is a winner, including you, because you will look fantastic. Let's get into the show. I'm James Beatty. And I'm Sean Carroll. And welcome to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. All right, and welcome back to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. Today we have on Ambrosia, Rosie Malone. So brief history so far, represented Queensland since under 13s till current, where you've won currently eight national titles with Queensland and the Brisbane Blaze. She's also been in the Hockey Ruse since 2018 and has played World Cups, Olympics, Commonwealth Games and Pro League. And you're still only 24 years old. That's correct. You've done your research. (laughs) And how many caps? Is it 62? Um, 64. I have no clue, but it's definitely oh, in the 60s. I hate to forget how many caps I had for my country. How I only d- just cap it every 50. I just is that what it is? Yeah. I'll oh, let you know when I get to 100. How do the other half live? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. That's no one's good. ever asked me. No, no. no one ever asked me back how I am. I did a podcast with Sean for years and, they, and I always ask, Sean, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, fine. All right, we'll just get on with it then, shall we? Don't want to fuck around. All right, so in 2013, at 15 years old, you were offered a place at Queensland Academy of Sport, so QAS, for football, so soccer, right? Yeah. So however, in accepting this, you were required to give up all other sports, including school sports. Yeah. Right? So Mm -hmm. you declined the offer, preferring to play a range of sports, including football, for both your school and association teams, right up until you were selected for the hockey rules. Why didn't you want to specialise? Um, funny, I actually had this conversation with a girl who was at hockey last night and she's playing hockey and soccer and she's pretty good at both and it was reminding me of like my younger self and I said to her, I was like, I, said, I literally said to her, I was like, you should try and play hockey and soccer for as long as you possibly can. And I was like, even get your coaches talking and stuff because – um, yeah, one thing that was really hard for me was, yeah, when I was 15, it was like, I loved my soccer. I loved my hockey. I was at like the elite level for both of them. And then, yeah, at the time, um, the soccer coach for the QAS, and she was also like the junior Aussie coach had said to me, she was like, okay, she sat down with me and my mom. She's like, okay, like we see Rosie being in the Matildas. Um, she's gonna, she's in the, I was in the junior World cup squad and stuff. She was like, we want to send her the whole way through. And they were like, but 
she has to basically quit all of her other sports mm. and dedicate herself just to soccer. And obviously as a 15-year-old, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on kind of thing? And thank God my mum was there and, like, my mum was my mum because she was just like, look, I I can't turn around to my 15-year-old daughter and say you have to quit every single other sport that you love doing. I was on a sports scholarship at school. Like, sport was my life. Mm. Every single day I'd be going to a different sport training multiple trainings a day kind of thing and to I think to pigeonhole a 15 year old and say like you've got to do this sport and you can't do any other sports Mm. I think um that's really hard and it's such a big decision and now seeing some of my friends who went through that same thing and they dedicated themselves just to soccer and they did like soccer was their main sport but they dedicated themselves just to soccer they did the QAS stuff they couldn't do club soccer they couldn't do school soccer like nothing which is where all the enjoyment is Mm. um they then got burnt out. They quit soccer. They hated soccer. They went overseas, like all yeah. those things. So, um, yeah, even though at the time it was so hard for me to choose um, to like not quit soccer but still keep doing both, knowing that they would probably slowly not want to pick me mm. for bigger things was hard. But I look back on that and I'm actually grateful that I chose what I did. Yeah. And what was like your mindset around that time where you just like, oh, like they want me. Yeah. To go down this path, like they want me to represent Australia. It must have been like as a 15-year-old. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Um. Yeah. I mean, like it was, as I said, like I loved my hockey and soccer, athletics, cross country, everything. And for me, it was really hard because I was like, what? Like, why are they making me choose? Like, I mm. love them both. Like, why would I have to choose? And I think at 15 as well, like you're not thinking about the playing for the Matildas or whatever or what's going to be your long-term goals. You're thinking like, what do I love doing right now? And what am I going to be sad to give up? So that was kind of the thought process running through, um, yeah, my head at the time. You would definitely think it would help. There's some there's some research on like injury rates with people that specialise too early and that people should play as many sports as possible because longer into their careers, they actually have lost less yep. injuries. So that's a huge factor. So I think telling people to specialise quite early can be quite hard. But at the same time, I know if I was 15, because I played rugby and football, if I got told to... I'd jumped. I'd, you, have, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. have gone, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. So and, yeah. And I think it's hard because um, definitely I agree with you about the whole like doing – I think doing as many sports as I did when I was younger helped me become just like an all-round good athlete at like lots of sports. And like um, I'd made like the South Coast touch team even though I'd never played touch properly. I just mucked around at like school with my friends and stuff like that. So I think it's like if you are getting those motor skills as a young athlete – and then it's like transferring it to all these different sports and even things with like soccer and hockey I would notice were like they're very similar games even though people would be like oh that's so different they're mm-hmm. so similar and yes I think like my game knowledge even was um, helping because it was like you're learning from all these different other yeah. sports but do yeah. you put it down to like why do you think they want you to choose early so I was just thinking about this is is it to save the best athletes from going to another sports or is it because they believe it's the best thing for the athlete uh, I don't think it's necessarily about like just keeping them for their sport. I honestly think it's more so about like having control, complete control mm-hmm. of that athlete. Like I think it's like they potentially like, yes, we see this talented athlete and I'm also think they want to control every aspect to make sure that like you're doing the things that they think you need to be doing and like they're kind yeah. of overseeing everything. But um, yeah, I mean it was also a really hard period because there were girls who I was friends with in these soccer teams who like – was seeing that I was invited to like national camps and I was put in these Aussie teams and stuff like that. And I would say to them, like, I'd have to say the coaches like, oh, 
like I'm really sorry. Like occasionally I'd be like, I'm really sorry. I also have this other hockey tournament at the same mm. time that I have to do. And I would have literally girls message me being like, I can't believe you. Yeah. I would kill for this mm. opportunity. You're just throwing it away. Like, mm. and it was actually kind of mean. I remember like crying yeah. to my mum at the time thinking, yeah. I thought these girls are like my friends, but it's like they, soccer was everything to them. And soccer, I loved it, but I also had other things that I loved. Yeah. So yeah, that was hard. It's, it's tough for the, like, I don't know. Goes goes both ways, two sides, everything. Like for the governing bodies, I imagine they're looking to invest all this like time and energy into athletes' developments. And it, for them, if like their athletes off playing another sport and they get injured, it's like mm. like we've lost on the investment kind of thing. But yeah, which is I'd like yeah, that's what I was saying. I think that's what they'd be kind of thinking. But then I just think at the same time, like if you want longevity of athletes, especially in terms of like I think mental well-being is such a big thing mm. these days and I think yes if you pigeonhole someone into something that they potentially hesitant to do or mm. like you're making them do the exact same thing every day with the exact same people I think that's sometimes where people start to like lose a bit of the love of yeah. it and like the passion that they originally had because it becomes I think more of like a a job and it's like yeah. you're in this pressure cooker and you're constantly being told like what you need to do to be better and all of that and I think yeah kind of like that's for me having the balance for as long as possible I think helped I mean at 15 it's quite hard because I think at, when you were under 14s you played in a gin, junior world cup but you were only 14 and you played in the under 17s junior world cup oh yeah so I was I was 14 and I was picked in the under 17 world cup squad yeah but then that's when yeah that's when then things started to I was having to choose so yep. I didn't end up going to the world cup with them I'd gone yeah. to the Vietnam for like the Asia Cup and yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, it was um that's when things kind of started to come become harder. But that must I can't you know, I can't really empathize because I've never been in that position. But you know, to be picked at fourteen in the under seventies World Cup. So you know there's a high chance that you could be a professional athlete at whichever way that you that you're choosing. So why did you go hockey? Yeah, I would say like that's like my number one question. And even now probably people are like looking at the Matildas and so successful and like probably make they're definitely making a lot more money uh, than me. You quoted like, that at one point, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, because when I went to the Tokyo Olympics, I was some of the girls who I grew up playing with in the um, are in the Matildas now, and I was speaking to one of them, and we were talking about how like um, one of them was like, oh, we're getting like a double tax at the moment because I've got my contract overseas with Switzerland, and I've got my contract oh, right. with Football Australia and all this stuff. And I was like. Oh yeah, I was like, I don't even think I've paid tax ever. Like, yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like, we don't make enough money. But yeah, people always say to me like, um, that, and I think I think they're almost like confused, like, why did you choose hockey over soccer? But I said to them, I was like, look, it's something that happened when I was so young, and I was like, I loved both. I did both for as long as I possibly could. I was still doing like MPL in Brisbane, um, yeah. right up until I was literally called to get on a plane for the hockey ruse. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I ever stopped playing soccer. It just was harder to do both at the um, elite level. And yeah, I, I definitely said to people like, I don't think, and it's never a matter of me like choosing. I think it was a matter of them being like, me being like, I want to still keep doing yeah. both. And they're like, well, <laughs> we're then going to make it very hard for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which- yeah. It has to happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at this level, at yeah. professional level. Can't do both. So you debuted in 2018. Yep. Spain. Yes. And then you were nominated for the Rising Star of the Year Award, which is, I think you're in the top five players in the world. Yeah. And that year was like um, huge because 2018 was like the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. And I was like a Gold Coaster and the only Gold Coaster kind of in the mix and I'd, 
Um, even though I, I was like the youngest in the mix and I wasn't in the Hockey Roo squad, but yeah, when I debuted in Spain, they had like two spots left in the squad and there was like five of us girls and one was like a girl who'd been in the team for years coming back from a baby um, and whatever. We had these games and I thought I'd done okay and I think like people were saying to me like, oh, you're definitely going to be picked in the squad or whatever and I was like, oh, okay, like yeah, it's going to happen. And then I remember like after that camp in January, the coach called me up and he was like, Hey Rosie, I'm just letting you know, like you haven't um, been picked in the Hockey Roo squad for this year. He's like, we've decided to go with some older, more experienced players. And I was just like, what? Like, I was yeah. like, what? Like, what's going on? And I was like, okay. Anyway, so I was really devastated because I thought, okay, Commonwealth Games is done. Like, I'm not going to be in the Hockey Roos this year. That dream's down the toilet. And that that was like something from a 12-year-old when they announced yeah. it on the Gold Coast that I was like, I'm going to play in that Commonwealth mm-hmm. Games on the Gold Coast in front of like my friends and family on a pitch that I started playing on when I was six. So... When that then wasn't a reality, I went through like a bit of a weird stage where I was like, I took a total break from hockey. I said to my yeah. QAS coach, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing hockey. I was like, I'm just playing soccer. So I went and played soccer <laughs> and I was just like doing all my soccer stuff up here um, in Brizzy and on the Gold Coast and stuff. I went back to my old soccer coach, Gary French, and I was just like, let's just do soccer. Let's just do it. And I just took a break from hockey. And then, yeah, I kind of like just returned like, I don't know, a couple months later to my hockey stuff. And then like randomly, it was like, I think it was like a three weeks after the Commonwealth Games had finished, a girl on the team just decided she was she was just going to quit. She was done. And then the girls were like over in New Zealand having a tournament and um, some striker got injured and the coach just called me up and I was at, like at uni and he was like, hey, Rosie, um, you know, said his name. He's like, I'm just letting you know, like you've been picked in the um, team to go to New Zealand. He's like, we're already over here, but we need to fly you over tomorrow morning. Like, can you come? Because we need you to play in this tournament. And I said to him, I was like, um... <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to have to call my mum and let you know. <laughs> so I literally, he was like, yeah. okay, well, I, like, you need to call us back straight away. So I hung up the phone, I called my mum and I was like, mum, I've been called into the hockey room. He's like, do I tell them I can go or not? Like, can I even yeah. go? What have I got planned tomorrow? Anyway, so yeah, I, um, I jumped on the plane, um, went to New Zealand and um, I think my whole mentality was different. I think it's like when you get to the mindset of like, you wanted something so badly and you didn't achieve it. And then I think after that, my mindset was like, I don't care what happens. Like I've got no pressure on me. I'm new Mm. to this team, no expectations. Um, Like I don't really care what happens. That was like my mindset going into it. And um, I wish I could hold onto that mindset forever Mm. because it is is like the most powerful thing to have because I then went out and played like Mm. the best hockey I've ever played. I was so free. I was so relaxed. I think I was like equal highest goal score at the end. And then, um, yeah, a few weeks later they picked the World Cup team and Mm. there's me in the World Cup team after being like this – random person brought in to like the squad of 27 to then making the world cup team and we had like all these other tournaments and then by the end of that year I was like nominated as one of the top five junior players in the world so that whole year was just nuts going from like one to the other yeah I was at 18 years old was it 19 uh no no I think oh I think I was had just turned 20 Yeah. yeah So young still. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, God, you look at like swimmers and you think, God, they're like 14 and they're like, yeah, yeah national stuff. But yes, in hockey, it was still really young. And um, yeah, I was still the youngest in the team. So. so what was it like originally? So obviously you had the call up to play for your debut, mm-hmm. which must have been extremely exciting. And then you had the call up to say New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. That's when you're in. I mean, what's that first initial call like to say like, hey, you've been. Um, I think up. it's just kind of like. I think it's something that's like every hockey player, especially when you're going through the ranks, you're like, I want to play for the hockey roots. I want to play for Australia. But then I think when it happens, you're still like, holy shit, Mm. this is happening right now. So I think it was like, um, 
Yeah, I think I was mostly excited. I don't get really too nervous when it comes to my hockey stuff. Like I'm not someone who gets super nervous, but I think it was like a bit surreal. And when I remember I was going out for my first game and they call you out and you get your flowers and all the girls are getting around you and stuff, I think it's like that's when you're a bit yeah. surreal. So I, I couldn't even tell you how I played in that game. Probably shit, don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was <laughs> – yeah, so it was like, um, yeah, surreal moment I think. Must have been weird going over on the plane by yourself. To – to, oh, to, to New, New Zealand. Zealand, yeah, not surrounded by like the rest of the team going over yeah. this tournament. And there's like, a funny story with that. I um because I was in such a rush when I packed my bags, I um just grabbed my hockey bag and didn't check it, whatever, whatever. And New Zealand are very tight on their border security laws. And um, I was walking through the customs, going out there, whatever. And there was like the head of the hockey Australia was there waiting for me. And, um, next thing you know, this beagle sniffs my hockey bag and it's just sniffing it, sniffing it. And the lady's like, can you step into this room for us? And I step into this room. They search my whole bag and they find a very old mandarin at the bottom of my hockey bag. Oh, really? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, like what's this going to mean? And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was there. like, I'm rushed here. Like I'm just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then she's like, that's, that's a $400 fine. And I was like, you're kidding me. So I walked out of the airport, like bawling my eyes, really? like $400 fine. I was like, I don't even know if I've got $400, like whatever. Yeah. So yes, all the girls are laughing very hard about that. Cause I, yes, I rocked up and got the $400 fine. And then at all the airports for like, I reckon the next year there was like border yeah. security signs of like a girl holding an orange. And I was like, I think they made that sign because of me anyway. So yeah, it was, um, it was hard. <laughs> that petrifying being pulled over in the airport. I got pulled over because I had a bottle of water in there once. Oh. But they act like – they must have to act regardless of what it is. If it's a bomb, they must have to act the same as if it's water. Yes. Terrifying. The most yes. experience ever. I was like, oh, my God, what is in this bag? I'm, yeah. There must be heaps of cocaine. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And then they're like doing the zip and they're like – Baldic water. I'm like, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> Give me a fucking heart attack here. So obviously you then play and you obviously have a really successful first year. What was that then to be named in one of the top five young players? That must did that cement your mindset to be like, right? Like I think it like cemented my mindset to be like, um like almost like uh I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. And, like, yeah. no one can question that this is where I'm meant to be because, like, I've now proven myself on, like, the world stage that it wasn't just a fluke that I've gotten and all this stuff. Like, I felt like I was, like, I've proven myself. I've, like, cemented my spot in this team and, like, this is where I'm meant to be. But, yeah, I mean, it was still – like, elite sport is so hard to explain as mm. well because it's, like, yeah, you're doing what you love and um, – and I'm someone who's like always just done everything with like so much love and enjoyment and laughter and never take myself too seriously. But like, um, yeah, the transition from like your junior years of sport to elite sport is so different. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2020 was the Olympics. Yeah. Meant to be? No. Meant to be Olympics. Yeah. And then postponed. Yeah. But then you went to the Olympics, though. Yeah, that was twenty twenty one. Yeah, so again, I have I always I talked about these. Was like I have admiration for Olympians. I think more than any other athlete, anything. I don't know what it is. I think it's just the pure grit to get to the Olympics. To yeah. me, it was just like I'd love to just partake in anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's huge, and I think it holds so much power to say like you're an Olympian. Yeah, like if you mean Olympian like here now, I'm just like this is fucking cool. Yeah. Rather than if I met a professional rugby player and I play rugby my whole life, I'd go, oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I think it's like no matter what sport they do, if someone was like, I'm an Olympian, you'd be like, holy shit. Everyone's the amount of time. 
that yeah. they, it's just everyone gets it like – or doesn't like get it, but they understand like yeah. how hard they've worked for like one opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you get the cool tattoo? <laughs> so no, so I got this necklace. So I got like a, this gold Olympic rings necklace because, yeah, everyone was like, are you going to get the tattoo? And I was like, oh, I'm not really a tattoo person. And I was like, I know everyone gets like Olympic tattoo. but On my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went for the necklace, yes. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm not going to say never say never. I'm going to say on podcast I'm never going to get a tattoo and then I get one. Well, it's highly likely you're going to do multiple Olympics. Well, hopefully. But fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. That's the play. <laughs> and very cool like to see your – face plastered on the Sydney Opera House. Oh, yeah, that was funny as. My mum was like, oh, my God, someone take a photo of that. <laughs> I need to frame that. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of photos <laughs> yeah. of that. But just things like that is just amazing. Yeah, I know. There's very cool things that happen. And the funny thing about Olympics as well, though, that I um, noticed is like the – like so hockey is like one of the – I think it's like the third most popular sport in the world, right? Because – and in Australia, like, it's not huge. I think back in the day, like, in the 90s and 2000s, it was, like, pretty big. But I think, like, now there's such a big market of sports that it's, like, not mm. as huge in Australia right now in terms of, like, how many sports that we have, like, the rugby, the AFL, all of that. But overseas, like, hockey is massive, like, massive. And um, I think the one thing that I noticed from the Olympics was, like, it's an event, even though I'd done, like, World Cups and all this kind of stuff, the Olympics is, like, a sport where – it doesn't matter if people have never watched a hockey game before. It doesn't matter if they don't know you. It's like if they know my cousin and that my cousin's saying, oh, yeah, my, my cousin's at the Olympics playing hockey. Mm-hmm. It's like her friends are then all watching the games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of see like the flow on effect that it has and like how many people become so invested in what you're doing, I think that's honestly the most like amazing part of the whole Olympics is like the whole entire world. Yeah. just comes together to like watch this two weeks worth of sport yeah. and yeah they could know nothing about the sport yeah. they could have never have met you in their life but they're so invested in what but you're even, doing so even true. like traditionally like growing up I always knew that we had a really good hockey team mm. but I had no idea that there was like a ho- hockey facilities like so close to my house yeah yeah like you just knew that yeah the Australian men's and women's hockey team are fucking awesome yeah and they're a really good chance of winning so whenever they were on yeah. Everyone be watching. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's it's really cool. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously after Olympics, it's like uh, you see that. I think like sports see that after like a year. Yeah. After the Olympics, it's like there is a massive influx of kids wanting to do all these Olympic sports mm. and you're having heaps of registrations to, you know, little athletics and yeah, your hockey, your soccer, like all these other things, which is really good um, for sport. And I think it's like you realise how much – um, I guess it inspires people, like kids, Definitely. and also their parents being like, this is something that like I could maybe do one day. So, yeah, that was definitely um, the most special part. And, yeah, for us at the in Tokyo, we, we'd won every single game. We were, like, doing so well. We'd also had such a hard year in 2019, like a lot going on. And, um, yeah, had, like, a different coach three months out from the Olympics or whatever. And then, yeah, we were just going so well, and I just felt like, this, this is it, like the stars are aligning, everything's going to happen for us. We've gone through this massive turmoil and now we're coming out on the other end. Um, and then, yeah, we had this quarterfinal against India and like going into it, it was like we were obviously the ones who should win. They finished fourth in their pool. We were at top of our pool, hadn't lost a game, whatever. And then, yeah, we play this game against India and I remember in the first two minutes I was like, I had like a two-minute sub, so I was like on for two minutes and then someone was subbing me off and she's like, my best friend in the team, she's like, all right, Rosie, like, 
get on the field. She was really stressed. She's like, just get on the field, score me in the goal first two minutes and I'll sub you off. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And so, yeah, in the first two minutes, ball comes across the field and I like do this just like slap shot and the ball just hits the post, goes behind the keeper and then just like comes out the other side of the post, like just in front of the line. And I was like, oh my God. And then, yeah, they just literally scored one goal in that game and we lost the game one nil. Like we just couldn't, yeah, we just couldn't score. And like, I just like replay that game over and over and like, in one game, one goal, after doing everything we'd done, our whole Olympic campaign was over. And I honestly, like, the change rooms, it was just mm. an hour. I reckon no one could talk. Just, no, it's like, yeah, because you just feel everything, like, yeah. I just felt like I'd let it run down. But it, when you think about it, you're like, I still came, like, fifth at the Olympics. Yeah. But, still like, yeah. got there. Yeah, still got to the Olympics for sure. But I think it's like, you know, when you know what you have the – potential to do or achieve Mm. it feels like the whole world is like crumbling but I think that's the thing like the Olympics is like such a pinnacle for athletes that it's like um even though it's still so amazing it took me months and months Mm. to be able to be like what I did was amazing and Mm. like I still inspired people and like people still loved watching me play so um yeah it's it's like it's like this like emotionally yeah does that now sorry does that now put a bit of fire in the belly Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Every time I see India's name, I'm like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to the World Cup or the Com Games soon. Yeah. But with the um, with the Olympic, it's such a build up, right? Mm. It's every if it was every year, you can sort of get away with it a little bit. You can go like, right, we'll get them next year. But for a four year build up, and then through COVID, yeah, you know, because you'd have hockey players, I guess, from all over Australia, so you can't train together as much during this time. Mm-hmm. New coaches coming into things, yep. like yep. there's just so much pressure and stress. Yeah. Even during the Olympics, we had to mm. do a saliva test every day. Ugh. And if you tested positive, you were out of the Olympics. Yeah, like that remember. was, you were done, you were pulled out. So I think it was even like, you were just like on edge the whole time, even walking around the village. Cause it's like a village with thousands of athletes. The village is like the coolest thing you'll ever experience. But like even going to the dining hall, it's like a massive, massive building, two story, every cuisine, whatever. But you're walking around and like Australians are very good. We had like the masks, the hand sanitizer, like very diligent. But some countries obviously mm. like they don't care about COVID or Fuck whatever. It. Yeah. And they're just walking around with no masks. They're like using their hands with things and you're looking at them like, oh my God, like if I get yeah. COVID, I'm out of the Olympics, like stay away from me. But that was still something that was like going on, not just, it wasn't just the hockey. It was yeah. like lots. Yeah. I was, remember, go on. remember uh, listening to a podcast about one of the, the British athletes so a lot of them went over just commercially so mm-hmm. mixed in with the general public and they get there they got to the uh arrived in tokyo and they got notified that someone on their plane had tested po- positive for covid so they had to isolate within their rooms so athletes who missed their events yeah um, the girl and i was specifically talking about she was like a 400 meter runner yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so she didn't get to train or yeah. anything leading up to the event and the yeah. person they were all still testing negative. Mm. And the person who, yeah, was test positive was just member of public. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we had a, I think it was a guy from a USA team in athletics who's like, was a full anti-vaxxer. Like, um, yeah, didn't want to be vaccinated, whatever. And at uh, one of the like warm up days at the athletics, he'd gone over to some of the, I think it was like pole vaulters and stuff and was like gone and hugging them, the Aussie athletes. And then there was kind of stuff like seeing like him not wearing masks, them not wearing masks, whatever. And even some Aussie athletes were then like put an ISO. And I know like they were, I can't remember one of them actually couldn't compete, but I know that, yeah, definitely two of the others that had to be put in a hotel um, and stay away from the whole rest of the team. They could compete, but um, yeah, it was kind of like that was – another big element that was like, yeah. yeah, going on. Was it a bit disappointing that they couldn't experience the whole thing that you probably heard about so much? 
<sighs> or was it a little bit different because that was just the way that we were living at that time? Well, yeah, it's kind of like you go – like for me, it was like leading up into the Olympics, they were telling us like we'd have to do things like train with headphones on or like music on or whatever because you have to get used to being able to – run around in the field and not being able to hear each other call because, like, the crowds are so loud at the Olympics. So it's like that's – you get told for years, like, you have to be able to adapt because the crowds are so big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then when we <laughs> went to the Olympics, it was obviously, like, they're, like, no crowds. Like, there was, like – they were saying, like, little crowds and then it just got, like, no crowds. So um, I actually kind of – even though I would have loved to have had my family there and, like, crowds is just, like, would create such an atmosphere, I actually, like, didn't mind because I was like, you know what, it actually puts – less like um pressure whilst you're playing like you know how people might get like overwhelmed by the Mm, whole situation it was like none of that would have gone on because there was no crowds and you could just kind of just play hockey and do what you did and then back at the village like there was such a good atmosphere and like there was still people mingling and like having fun and celebrating I think it was one night where the um South African swimmer girl had like won their first Olympic gold medal and I remember the night she got back it was like so late obviously she'd gone out celebrating whatever and she'd yeah got back in the village and I remember just hearing like this big roar and commotion I was like what the hell's going on and I like run out my door I'm like in my PJs and looking over the balcony and there was just like a massive crowd like hundreds and hundreds of people out the front of this girl's building and they're all just cheering her on and they're screaming or whatever and I was like this is so cool so it's like the atmosphere was still there inside yeah. the village and stuff and the volunteers were great and stuff. It was just like you didn't have a massive crowd whilst you were playing. Yeah. But yeah. But you hear so many rumours about the athlete villages in Olympics <laughs> and things like that. I was like, is it true? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Next Olympics. Athletes, do we keep our secrets about <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. So obviously the Olympics was then and then you you had the World Cup and you had Com Games. Yep. Which you did, I think, silver medal Com Games. Yep, Silver Medal Com Games, Bronze Medal World but Cup. Before this, I want to talk about your finger. So this <laughs> okay. was prior to this, wasn't it? Yes, it was in, I'm pretty sure it was March or May. This is horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the injury we're talking about outside. But when I was watching it last night, as soon as I got into work this morning, I was like, okay, look at this finger, Sean, look at this finger. <laughs> like, it just talk us through it. And then I suppose the what happened after this with how close it was mm. to the event, you would have thought, there's no way I can play this competition. Yes. So it definitely was May because I was like, no, I wasn't. It wasn't in March. It was in May. And we were flying to Europe in at like the start of June for like getting ready for World Cup and stuff. But yeah, it was, uh, we had a tournament in New Zealand and this also, it was like a test tournament, I guess you could say, because like us in New Zealand hadn't played internationally for ages. Um, but it was also like, I knew it was like for selection too. Like they're selecting the World Cup and Com Games teams. And, um, yeah, I think it was, like, it was the second game, so I played one game. And then, yeah, it was, like, just in the middle of the game, this girl decides to do this just stupid tomahawk hit in the middle of the field and this ball's just, like, going so fast and hard right in my head and I just put my stick up to stop myself from hitting my finger – I mean, my my face (laughs) – and it gets my finger and it just, like, essentially just burst because of the pressure. And, um, yeah, I just immediately dropped my stick and I dropped to the floor and I just looked at my hand and was, like – oh my god like freaking out and um yeah because it was just all this blood I can see my finger basically just flapping there just (laughs) just hanging on like it's popped the only way it's hard unless you see the picture but the top of your finger is basically like popped yeah like you could see straight through the whole finger if people want to try this at home get a sausage and then (laughs) get a hammer and then (laughs) smack the end of it and see what it looks like but it's like split like through them it was such a unique yeah injury Yeah. yeah And this, um, as yeah, I was saying to you guys earlier, like this finger, ten years ago, 
got taken off yeah when I was 14 at nationals and it was like the just like the top bit and this was like now like a third of the way down the finger that, that it was taken finger. yeah <laughs> she's another one yeah it's gone through a lot but you know <laughs> the nail is so strong she's had to rebuild herself like three times now but yeah it was lucky like because at the time yeah I was freaking out there were some girls who just had to like immediately step away that could not look at the finger others one other girl ran ran and she was helping me like hold it all together but um <laughs> but yeah I think for me I was the thing that was getting me most upset and like uh, I would say like not hysterical but like most upset and like stressed was I just kept on saying like when can I play when can I play and like even though I was on the green whistle and everything and I was probably saying some outrageous stuff I definitely was whatever <laughs> but um one of the girls said I turned to the team doctor and was like do you think you'll be able to stitch this up and I can play tomorrow because like all I was thinking yeah. was like selection and like world cup com games like this needs to be ready in time so um yeah it was super stressful at the time and like I obviously couldn't I just I couldn't do anything and you're playing with hockey and like you guys are now know hitting the hockey ball like the vibration yeah. that goes through the yeah. stick and your all your fingers are like on the hockey stick so when I eventually got back to playing it was probably like three weeks later that I picked up the stick and then a week later we we're going overseas and like I, I'd made both teams I was like thank god okay they, they picked me for both teams um and then yeah by the time we got over to Europe and we we're like playing practice matches against the Dutch and like getting ready to basically start the World Cup I literally had like this plastic cap over my mm. finger and I was holding my hockey stick with like nine fingers like I would just yeah. sit this one off my stick because the vibration was still like yeah going through the finger was painful but I just was like cop it Rosie because you want to play it's a pretty big mentality though yeah I mean yeah and like also the mentality I think of like people were saying to me like like were you scared playing again and like thinking like will it get hit again and I was like look it's something that goes through your head but I thought whatever it's gonna be ugly anyway so if it gets hit again it's fine but yeah to be able to I think like my mentality the whole time was like you want to play at these tournaments and if you don't heal your body quickly then um yeah you're not going to be there and um yeah we've done some work with like Emma Murray I don't know if you've heard of her she's like a mindfulness person she works with like um Richmond and stuff like that and like some big like pretty big athletes and elite athletes and it was just happened to be like literally that in New Zealand we were working with her at the time about this whole like um mindset and it was like mind work and stuff and she was talking to me um with my finger and she was saying like how essentially you can like get your body to heal quicker by like talking to yourself and manifesting and visualizing things like um every single day and so I listened to one of these podcasts of hers that like she'd made and it was like talking about like yeah you're healing your body you're seeing yourself playing and it's like you're constantly like telling your mind that like you can see yourself playing at the world Mm. cup and the com games and you're telling your body like you're a quick healer like this is going to heal really quickly all this stuff and I did that every morning and night for like a month straight and I honestly reckon that that is what was like had the biggest impact on me I need a bit of that. Yeah, but there, I reckon there is a bit there. We spoke about it Definitely. with Jared, the shoulder physio. He's had a couple of surgeries and got told that they went really poorly. I've had a couple and got told they went really well. And I don't know if this is it, but I think just having that in your mind that it's okay. And I'm a believer, I like the science of things, but I am a believer that people can think themselves sick mm. as well. And I think that you can probably think yourself better. You see people that are quadriplegic or paraplegic and they're just like, when they just have this mentality to just be like, nah. Yeah. And I think the thing like, um, yeah, the yeah, like Emma would speak about and she also had Dave Asprey who, um, yeah, was a Richmond player who she worked with as well who helped us, uh, helped us and they were both, they both speak about how like 
you can't focus and they say like you can't focus on like the bullshit you can't control and she, they're mm. saying like that stuff is so outside your control and like she was even saying to me like selection and everything she was like you can't control any of that so the only thing you can do is like to tell yourself that like your body's gonna heal and you're gonna give yourself the best chance so I think that's probably like the biggest thing and yeah I remember at the time I was like in the change room hysterical crying about my finger and Emma's next to me and one of my other girls on the team is next to me and I remember just thinking to myself oh my god Rosie like you are going on about this finger and like Emma's son is actually a quadriplegic like he had Mm. an accident when he was a teenager could never walk again I thought to myself you're crying about your stupid bloody finger and like her son's a quadriplegic like and that just puts things into perspective like Mm. you're going to be okay you're going to play hockey again yes you want to achieve these things but like that's out of your control you just got to do what you can right now so yeah that was like Really good to have Dave and Emma in that situation too. I think that's always nice. I always think problems are our own, but perspective is nice. Yep, a hundred percent. Still, your problems still feel like you know big a pretty problems. a pretty big deal. Yeah. At that time, my aircon broke last year, and it was. <laughs> was remember how problem. mental I was going? Yeah. I was going mental. mental. Like some people don't have aircon. Well, I fucking do. So and I want it fixed. <laughs> so fix it. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. <laughs> I live in Australia. I yeah. need aircon. You don't know what you don't know what it takes. <laughs> so obviously the World Cup and then Com Games. Yeah. How did that differ from the Olympics? Like the whole build up because now COVID is. Yeah, well, I mean we had crowds. Here. We, we had, had crowds. crowds. Yeah, which was which was really good. And yeah, the World Cup they had like um, two different pools going on. One was in the Netherlands and one was in Spain. And we were in Spain like the whole time um, because we won our pool and stuff. So it was really cool. Like having crowds again um and obviously world cup is like i think it's like pretty huge in any sport like rugby and stuff like rugby world cup is like Mm, the biggest event kind of thing and so for us like yes olympics is like a pinnacle event but also world cup is like huge because it's like all the best teams in the world there so um yeah for us we like we were doing really well and um yeah we we somehow somehow we always get drawn the dutch in the semi-final and like something's come with sean before he's dating a i mean married to a dutch woman so i get it (laughs) and like the dutch in in the women's hockey like they've been number one uh for yeah probably like the last 10 years um so they just win everything anyway and yeah somehow we got them in the semi-final again it happened last world cup we Mm. got them in the semi-final we'd drawn one all went to shootouts and like they just beat us and we were like oh god bloody hell mm. like now we're in the bronze medal match again and but last world cup we actually were so devastated after that loss in the semi against the dutch that when we came out and played spain the next day for our bronze medal match like we just couldn't switch back into like yeah. that's happened we're leaving that there now we're focusing on winning this game and we ended up losing that bronze medal match and like coming home fourth and i just remember being like devastated thinking like we were about to win the whole world cup potentially um, cause Ireland were in the final and mm. they, the Dutch like smashed them six yeah. nil. It was just so random. Yeah. Anyway. So it was like, we went both of us knowing that like, if we won this semi, yeah. you would most likely win the whole world cup. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, this time around, we bloody get drawn the Dutch again and we're like, God damn it. Here we go again. But, um, yeah, we played them again. We're, I think we're the only team in like the last at least five years or whatever, who's actually beaten the Dutch. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, they know it's always tough when we play them. Yeah, we played them in the semi and I think we lost to them 1-0. Yeah, so it was like, again, just like just lost to them. And then, yeah, we had the um, bronze medal match the next day against Germany and we were like, okay, like we are not letting this yeah. happen again. Like we're coming home with the medal. So, yeah, it was like hard. Don't get me wrong. Germany were playing and they were giving it, us, giving to it, giving it to us all and whatever. But, um, yeah, we came away with the bronze medal, so that was good. It must be exceptionally hard. I've always thought about these bronze medal matches. I've always thought about them. I've thought about them in rugby. I've thought about them. Mm. Like, 
it would be I actually feel sorry for the teams a little bit that have to go play in it because like they've just been yeah they've just been knocked out of the thing that they wanted most and now they have to go and perform yeah again is it yeah it must be tough to get yourself up for it yeah it's definitely like that's I mean a mental switch to be like and like the coaches always say like yes have your time to like be upset and think about that game and like what you wanted to change or do better or whatever the result was but then it's like you then need to like by the time it gets like dinner time or whatever it's like you're switching over to like okay the job's not done. Like yeah. we have one more thing yeah. to do. So I think it's like, yeah, switching over to be like, okay, the job's not actually done. We'll come to, I think, com games in a sec, but you guys got a silver medal there. Is it more enjoyable winning a silver, losing that game or winning a bronze even though you finished third? Oh, we were actually talking about this at World Cup because the, Arg- the Argentina actually ended up playing the Dutch in the final at the World Cup and um, the Dutch were just all over them. Like they lost the game, whatever. And, we then went out to the medal presentation and, like, Argentina were beside themselves. They were all crying. They looked miserable, like, so devastated. And there we're getting our bronze medal, like, you, you, yeah, yeah, our yeah, bronze yeah. medal. You, you, you yeah, like, won to get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because we won our last game. Yeah. And, like, yes, they're then going to be like, you know, we lost that game and we wanted to win the gold medal, like, just like we were mm. the day before. So it's like they're going through what we were the day before. But I think then when you look back on it, like, at the time, yes, you're probably, like, hyped because you're, like – Yep. We won the bronze medal and they lost kind of thing. But when you look back on it, you're like, a silver is obviously better than a bronze. So yeah. you look back and think, I still have a bronze medal, oh, a silver medal at the World Cup. Any medal is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> so I've got a quote here. So during the 2022 Commonwealth Games semi-final match, you had a penalty shootout against India. So despite failing to score, you were given a second chance due to the <laughs> error of the referee. So I watched this video yesterday. I went looking for it. <laughs> So the error was I'm that sure you would have found it on India outlets. Yeah, they they didn't um, <laughs> like this Kelly. They didn't stop the clock or something. But the, my yeah. question was, they says like here, like you were later criticised for not showing sportsman spirit. I have watched this and don't, what did you do wrong? Yeah. So um, yeah, I even went through like a, a like phase to myself where I was like, wait, like was because I was like I read a couple of things online which I shouldn't have done anyway. But I was <laughs> like, wait, wait, was that bad sportsmanship? Yeah. Like, should I have done something different? And then I, once I started talking to people and stuff and I was like, no, actually, no, it was fine. Because like what had happened was, yeah, you have eight seconds to do a shootout, right? And I was the first one of like the first one from the first team to do it. And I was lining up on the 25 line to get ready to do my shootout. And the tech officials are all in like this back room near the sideline. And um, as I was standing there, they're like yelling out. They're like yelling out from there. You'd hear someone screaming and I just thought, oh, whatever, it's just someone from the crowd or whatever. But they were like yelling out like, don't go, don't go, stop, stop. And so my manager and my whole team back there could all hear it, but I was already up at the 25 line. Like I didn't hear it, but they were trying to yell out to the umpires to say like the clock isn't ready, like don't start. Mm. But the umpires obviously didn't know. They didn't look up at the clock to check if it was like ready. Anyway, so they've just blown their whistle to go, right? So I just run and I'm like, go in. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I go to do my, my shootout and I like stuffed it. Like I like I like stuffed it. I topped the ball and it like didn't go on the goals. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I've just missed the shootout. So I'm like walking back all sad, like, oh my God, I just stuffed it. And then the tech people come running out and the umpires are arriving in convo and they're like, no, like she has to redo it. Like we didn't start the clock. So like it's not official. Like she can't, whatever. Anyway, so then – yeah, then that information is being passed on to the Indian team and, like, you can imagine, like, they were not happy. So, anyway, they They're come to me happy. and, yeah, they come to me and they say, like, you have to redo it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, mentally, like, mm. 
are walking up to the line again. Most of the crowd as well was like um, Indian. I think they have a big Indian population in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I'm walking up there and I think they were essentially booing the whole situation, but they were, the whole stand was like booing. So everyone's booing as I'm walking up there. I'm walking up to the line. I'm like literally look at the ball on the line and I'm just like saying to myself, look at the dimples on the ball, look at the dimples on the ball, like just the dimples on the ball. Like that's all I was focusing on. Anyway, then the whistle went again. I ran and boom, boom, in the back of the net. And I like scored. And so it was, yes, it was considered that we were then had like got it. So the start didn't count. Which doesn't make any sense because I was watching it and I watched it a few times and you scored and just walked off and your team were going mental. Yeah. Like cheering, but you weren't even doing. I thought like I was waiting for you to like flick the bird to India. (laughs) I was like. You India? No, because I just like I, I honestly was like in that situation. I thought to myself, Rosie, like you, you're lucky here. Like you're lucky. Like you got a second chance. You stuffed up the first one, but like you're lucky. You got a second chance, and like yes, you made sure of it that time. But it wasn't a situation where I was like wanting to be like you, you India. Like I scored. <laughs> I would have been. I'd have been. I'd have been deep. But it would have been the other way around, you know. If it if it. Change. I think the commentators probably made it a bit worse. If you scored, you'd have had to go again. Yeah. And then if you missed. Yeah. And that's the thing that like everyone was saying to me because they were like, um, India were trying to say like, um, yeah, it wasn't fair and all the stuff. But like the officials were saying, look, she could have done that shootout. Yeah, she could have scored it. And then she still would have had to redo it. And if she missed it, like it would have been the other way around. Like Australia yeah. would have been like, you know, what's going on kind of thing. So, yeah, I had no control of it. I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and I can guarantee you 100% that if India were in that situation, mm. there is absolutely no way that they wouldn't have ran in and tried to score yep. that shootout. No yeah, way. Play on. And it was nice payback from the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's India. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely did. I had to block certain people on my um, Instagram after that. I was like getting lots of – because. Hockey in India is huge, so they yeah. were just coming for me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I think it was like on 7 News, the blooper that they took from my India uh, interview was like, yes, now all of India is going to hate me. Yeah. And I was like, that's essentially what happened. So, It's yeah. fine. Anyway. Just send them <laughs> photos with your medal. Yeah. You, you, can, you can allow it. I think that's fine. <laughs> all right. So I was, you're an athlete, right? A proper athlete. Like I was watching all these videos. Wasn't even going to touch on it, but I got sent a video by Kyra actually about you. Um, it was quite funny where you were racing track. Yeah. I think you were doing hurdles and then yeah. like you fell over like flat. Mm, Assuming they yeah. had snapped the thing. Yeah. And then it was so funny because the woman in the crowd was like, get up, <laughs> get up. And you were just like lying there like you've been shot. I was like, what's going on? Literally it was. It was so the, the woman in the crowd was actually my sister, my younger sister. <laughs> and so it was like at um the state champs and – um. Yeah, it was at like a big QSAC stadium in Brisbane here. And yeah, there would, there would have been like 500 people plus in like the crowd. Actually, it probably was way more than that. And yeah, it was like the final of the 400 meter hurdles. And I'm like running around the bend. I'm like in third place. And like, I think I was 16 and it was the under 17s one. So I was like a year young and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm coming third. Like, this is sick. And then as I come around the bend, I like hit one of the hurdles, like clipped one of the hurdles. And um, it then just kind of like, threw off my stride pattern like a lot and I don't know if you've ever done hurdles but like your stride is everything like that is timed out to a T so that you can get to the next hurdle and whatever and anyway as I hit this hurdle I must have also lost a spike as I'm running so anyway I get to the next hurdle and I'm having to I had to like lunge out further because like my stride pattern was all stuffed up so I lunged out further and as I did there's no spike on the outside of the shoe so the whole foot has just rolled over so as I'm going to lunge out and jump my whole ankle is like Mm. Bento so far, it's like literally like 
touching the tartan on the track and I go to leap off that foot as it's like all happening in one motion and I couldn't essentially jump because I've literally just like torn ligaments in my ankle and I've just gone through the middle of the hurdle with the other leg <laughs> face planted like I've just gone smack straight down on the tartan yeah. and I couldn't move like I could feel the pain in my ankle I couldn't move and yeah my sister's like go Rosie go Rosie and then that happens she's like oh shit and then she's like fuck and then she's like come on get up finish it off and like when I was on the like ground I remember hearing that and I've been thinking what an idiot like yeah. who's saying that like I can't even walk right now and yeah I've never been so embarrassed in my life because I couldn't move and yeah. so the, the race ends and the first aid officer <laughs> comes out two of them come out they have to pick me up off the t- off the tartan put me on the stretcher bed and I'm walking down the whole home straight and it is just the pity clap <laughs> the whole entire stadium yeah. I was mortified I said to the first aid guy he was like wearing a big broom like you know classic hat and I just looked up and I said can I please have your hat? Oh, <laughs> like really? gave me his hat and I just put it over my face. <laughs> I just went straight to the first aid turn. So, yeah. It was quite funny because, you know, usually if someone pulls anything, they'll like turn their body to like see if they go with their ligaments going their knee, they'll like hold their knee. Yeah. She just lies there completely flat on her stomach, like it doesn't move. Like she could have got snipered, like <laughs> shot in the head and no one would know. Oh, so embarrassing. And yeah, I eventually yeah, put that video on, on Instagram because everyone was just thought it was the funniest thing ever. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, what do you think, just coming into some stuff now about the sport and like future generations and stuff. So what do you think it would take to get the game where it is now to the sort of next level? So you full, you're a full-time athlete. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to do to be supported as a full-time athlete? Is it a full-time wage? You know, the the limits and sort of barriers to people getting into the sport and trying to chase it as a professional? Yeah. Sport? I think like um, hockey, as I said, like it was pretty big back in like the 90s, 2000s, stuff like that. And it's still a big sport um, in Australia. But I think today it's like there, especially for women in sport, there are now so many opportunities to like have a career out of sport that it's like, yeah, I, I'm so passionate about hockey, like not falling behind and like staying up mm. with all these other sports and um, not kind of essentially missing like the bandwagon, I guess. Um, and yeah, for us, I think it's like definitely like at the moment we can't financially just be playing hockey and not having to do anything else. And like all the girls on my team either study or work or both mm. um, because, yeah, we we do not get paid a lot. I think it's like – we get like a couple of grants from the government each year and then we get literally paid like $300 a week when we're in Perth. It's crazy. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes it can be even less and stuff depending on where you are. But, yeah, I'm all about like the um, sport definitely like coming to the East Coast because we've been mm-hmm. over in Perth and WA for like 30 years now and I think like we miss out on so many opportunities and like access to so many more um like whether it's sports organisations, sponsors, businesses, stuff like that, and also young people, like influencing like young people and inspiring them to play hockey yeah. and stuff and being invested in the sport um, over on the East Coast. And like, yeah, most of the girls, I would say like 80% of the team and the boys' team are all, you know, East Coast athletes, like yeah. Queensland, um, New South Wales, fit kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm all for like hockey not missing out on the opportunities that – um, I think are happening in sport right now. And yeah, I recently went to like a women in sports summit and they were talking about um, 
it was like yeah kind of like sports body organizations talking about all the things that they're doing like collaborating with other sports and lead-ups to big tournaments like the women's football world cup things like that were really exciting and the opportunities that were going to be um on the east coast presented them and stuff like that and it was really interesting even speaking hearing from the um marketing teams and they were saying that for so long women's sport hadn't like it had been like this untapped market where businesses could like profit off and like get exposure from. But I think it just, people just like, oh, it's women's sport. It's like whatever. And it's only now in the last like, yeah, five, 10 years kind Mm. of thing that it's started to progress and progress. And now that they're realizing that like there is this massive market in women's sport that has so many opportunities. And I think it's like even the, um, the Euros, the women's football Euros. And it's like, they had the biggest crowd ever at that stadium. And Arsenal, they're just a football team in London. Yeah. I think they had 57,000. That was just a regular league game. Yeah, yeah. Which is just nuts because it's like that, you know, 10 years ago that wouldn't, that's over that would have And that's because the quality and things is improving. I think men, what I was looking yesterday is like male and female hockey, they get the same. Yeah, yeah. So they get the same, which is good. But what I know just about sport from, because some sports, I think the argument is that there's a, a deficit gap in physicality if I'm going to watch if there's a rugby game on and there's males playing or there's females personally I'm going to go and watch the males play yeah in rugby that's yeah. my sport but in things like hockey and tennis and other things I don't think that gap is there yeah like this skill and everything is just the same if yeah. not better yeah I think do you reckon that makes a difference or it should make a difference um I think like I, I always have these convos with like my mom and even like my brothers and stuff like that and I think it's even like uh, it started from when watching the AFLW first come onto the scene. I remember my brother, he played AFL and he was like, oh, these guys don't know, these girls don't know how to play AFL. Like, this is not how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And mum and I were having the conversation and saying like, this is like, it is in the growth phase though. Like, these girls are coming from other sports. They don't know anything about the sport. And these boys have been like playing this sport since they were like young. So it's like, I think it's like a period with some sports where it's like, there's going to be this growth and development phase where like, you are actually building the sport and the athletes and then it's like essentially the women will be able to get to a higher standard to where they're at when they're like kind of in this development phase. But I think it's like you can't necessarily, yes, compare women and men's sport all the time because it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, men are built stronger and faster when you're comparing just like I guess like top elite athletes or something like that. But it still doesn't take away from the women being really good at what they did. And even funny, you even said that about the tennis, that you're like, oh, and the tennis, like it's, I just look at it the same and I don't think that way. But I don't think like if it wasn't for someone like Billie Jean King back in the day mm-hmm. playing those games against the male players, that it would have been like that. Because mm-hmm. my mum's someone who's like, like so into women's sport, obviously, but she was saying that when she was younger watching the tennis, she was like, I used to be like watch the men's tennis. And she was like, I didn't watch the women's tennis because like, yeah, I just thought like, no, no, like the women's tennis is like nothing, whatever. So that was just the mindset that people had. And it wasn't until people like Billie Jean King, I think then was like, actually, no, like we we are good. Like we, we yes, we might not be able to beat the top men's players, but we can still beat men's players and like we're still really good at what yeah. we do. And I think that's what it's about too, because it's not really like you're, I think the mentality is like they need to be as as good as the men within yeah. the sport. And it's never the go. It's, 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 it's them doing their game playing against other females and the males do their game. So I think yeah. they're just separating the game. I think so many people are trying to bring that gap a lot closer together. Yeah. But I think it needs to be looked at as different sport. Yeah. But then we also just need more people supporting female sport in order yeah. to get this. And, you know, and like, governing bodies and to go- like take the initiative, invest like the women's 
Rugby World Cup is starts tonight or tomorrow. Tonight, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And of all the teams going over, the England rugby team they're fully paid professionals, mm. and they'll probably dominate the tournament. But well, they are. Mm. They absolutely they beat Wales they'll, last week by about sixty points. The Australian yeah. women's team are all still amateurs. Yeah, they don't get paid anything. Anything, but even like even in saying that, I know just being around you know rugby for my whole life, the development of the women's game has gone leaps and bounds. Like yeah. athletically, how they play the game, their skill level because they're not coming into it when they're twenty five anymore. Yeah. They're yeah. starting when they're in school and coming through. Yeah, and just off the back of that, does that worry you as a hockey player that women's I guess sporting talents are getting diverge to all these different sports or are you like yeah do you mean like the pool of good athletes are now spreading out yeah so rather than like you know i guess if female athletes wanted to be involved in a competitive team sport like yeah 10 15 years ago it was hockey maybe netball yes basketball would be sort of those bigger niche sports but now rugby rugby league afl for sure crossfit and i think that's the thing like um especially when you compare like financially like Mm. the um the money that's like girls can now make, women can make in sport. I think that's definitely like, yeah, you need to be, hockey needs to be doing more than just being like, yes, we are this classic Australian sport that we've always been really good at hockey and the men's and women's and like all this stuff. It's like, we need to still be able to keep up with all these other sports. And I often like say that we really need to be able to jump on like the marketing and social media side of things as well. And I, yeah, I feel like it's like I'm constantly talking about it because I think like that is somewhere that we have not been good at. And so much today of like what we do and see today is on social media. And I think it's like that's where we need to be able to hook people. And I was having this convo um, with some of my teammates and we we're talking about like the Matildas and um, the Hockey Roos. And we were saying how, um, you know, I think they'd had, I think it was before the Olympics. And um, we'd both done like a couple of big tournaments and um they had done like they'd done worse than us and whatever it was like as in like they'd finished like a couple spots lower than us whatever and we'd done better than them and um you know I was saying to the girls like no one would know what we've kind of done like like on the hockey people and the the hockey community would know what we've done and like otherwise you know people now back in Australia and other sports would know exactly what the Matildas have done and where they've come and they made their sport look like they achieved like something that was amazing and all this kind of stuff and I was saying the difference between them and us is the way that they market themselves mm-hmm. and they have amazing social media people and marketing people and they are, do so well I think at like getting the public to personally know the players and their journey and their story and everything's about storytelling and the marketing that it's like people like the Olympics are saying like people become invested in that team and like those players and what they're doing and the way that they can kind of showcase what they do and everyone looks at it being like that's bloody amazing and like you know they are an amazing team and I think what they've done is so good and yeah it's like I can see that for hockey because we have amazing athletes amazing stories and we do so well like we come away from pretty much all of our tournaments with medals so it's like yeah we just need to be able to capitalize on that yeah and we just need to have very like opportunities that needs to be equal opportunity to play from such a young from such a young age it has to start from because most kids play sports to stop playing at four or five years old yeah yeah and where do they go and there was a quote that you read out where it's like by the age of 17 50 percent of all girls stop playing sport yeah i've got a daughter myself do you know what I mean i will force her into sport <laughs> i won't be a parent that's like you know 
do whatever they want to do. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You, you yeah. play sport and you play as many sports as you can, but that's quite a sad statistic. Yeah. Oh, 100%. When you, yeah, when you hear that, you just, I think like a lot of parents would be shocked. They'd be thinking like, what? But I guess like being a young girl growing up and seeing all these things happen, you do see along the way like your friends just slowly drop out of sport. And I mean, there's a number of reasons. Like I think, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on girls these days to like look a certain way, act a certain way, whatever. I know for me when I was like beating boys at my school and sport and like all this kind of stuff, they'd be like, oh, you're such a little boy and whatever. And they'd be saying things like that to me and like, no young girl wants to be told that they're like a boy yeah. or like whatever. So I think it's like there's those kind of stereotypes and like st- like pressure going on. I think as well probably back in the day we didn't have as many female coaches as well, which mm. I think for like young girls to also have female coaches and like community sport is really important. And then I think that sometimes the essence of like why people want to play sport gets lost in like the whole like – wanting to play for Australia one day. Like that doesn't have to be for everyone. Like Mm. it is honestly just about like having fun, making friends, doing something outside of school. And heaps of my friends who like, you know, stopped playing sport or whatever have said to me like, I wish I never stopped playing sport. Or like I had so many good friends in sport or like, you know, it was so much fun on the weekends going out and like playing sport with my friends instead of going to this party with these stupid boys or whatever that I now like don't talk to or something like that mm. so I think it's just like all these pressures that a lot of young girls have and um yeah I think now it's like yeah having all this exposure to their idols and seeing what you can do in sports probably helping but I think it's still like yes there's still a major gap between the amount of girls who drop out of sport and yeah are probably told that like sport doesn't matter like you you don't need to play sport yeah. but I think in terms of like even mental health and well-being which is huge these days Absolutely. everything friendships like all my friends are from sport yeah <laughs> well yeah well the, when that statistic about them dropping out when they're 17 it's probably obviously coincides with them leaving school because schools they sort of have I guess different terms different term sports so that sort of yep. gets people involved in club scene but when people stop playing sport like all they do is then work and go home. Yeah. They don't have any other hobbies and that's a pretty fucking yeah. shit way to live. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's what I mean. Like I think all my friends who play sport still, it's like they have the best social lives. Mm. They mm. go to all the like really cool things on the weekends. They know so many different people. Yeah. They have this outlet where they can train and have some other focus to um, get their mind away from like, yeah, work or study or anything like that. And um, yeah, I think it's like, that's the thing that kind of gets lost sometimes. I've even had parents who have said like, yeah, my kid's not playing sport anymore because like they've got to focus on their studies. But I think I to myself, I used to yeah, hate that. but I'm like, imagine how good your kid would be at school if they had something else to also release. Like we do this with adults at the gym. They've got all these stresses in their lives. It's like, but you'd understand that training would make everything else easier in your yeah. life. Like everything would be so much easier. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like no one's saying you have to go out and train every single day of the week and be a pro athlete. Like no. it's just, yeah. And that is that age realistically between like 15 and I would say 21, 22. Like that's where you have to really concentrate if you want to be a professional athlete. But like yeah. I said, not everyone's going to be a professional athlete and not everyone wants to be a professional athlete. No, so yeah. you can go and just play recreationally. If you're listening now, you could always go back and play. Yeah. There's so many different sports that you could. 100%. You could play. Yeah. It's disappointing. It is. It's hard to see people drop out of sport that early. Yeah, 100%. Even like the one that I found the hardest was um, like growing up, uh, I I was lucky, you know, like I didn't really have to miss out on any teams growing up and stuff, but there would be 
some of my friends who would like, you know, just miss out on a selection for like a state team or a Queensland team or something like that. And then you kind of like see them like become disheartened, like, you know, being like, I'm never going to make it kind of thing. And then I think that's when they think like, they, they then think to themselves that like they hate playing that sport mm. because they're like yeah. continually disappointed. And then there's been times where like, yeah, those girls have then been like quit the sport completely. And then a year later, like the next season, they're back because they're like, yeah. it actually wasn't, it actually wasn't the sport that I hated. It was yeah. the that feeling moment. of disappointment and expectation and all of that kind of stuff. But I love playing hockey, but you know. I listen to a lot of podcasts and speak to a lot of athletes, professional athlete yourself. If you ask most fair athletes when their most enjoyable time playing was, most of them are going to say when they played with their friends 100%. earlier before they had the stresses of having to perform and they could just play. Would you agree? Then? 100%. I always yeah. say to like when I speak to kids, I always say like I think some of my funnest years were like playing my junior or the Queensland years because like they were the years that it was just like, yeah, there was no pressure, expectation. You had so much fun. Mm. And, yeah, I just, like, even when, like, the first thing that I did when I got back from Com Games, oh, I did go to, like, Croatia for, like, 10 days. I was like, okay, I need a little holiday. Nice. So I had a little holiday. But I literally, like, flew back early from that holiday because I wanted to play just, like, local club cop yeah. on the Gold Coast because there's girls who I literally started playing hockey with when I was six who were, like, still down there playing. And I was like, I want to get back and play that stuff with them because like cool. that's the kind of that's that's the stuff that I love like the local stuff we're having fun there's no pressure you're just like whatever I'm just gonna go play and whatever that's happens it. happens you know I don't have to do a team meeting about it or <laughs> I don't have to scout anyone look at videos like I'm just going to go play so um yeah do your friends hate it when you come back but because you just fucking kill it <laughs> yeah the opposition do yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> they're like what the hell are you doing here go back to Croatia <laughs> go back to Croatia did you do Yacht Week no, no, I didn't. But Sunday. yeah, I didn't do. I, I went with like um, it was actually my mom, my mom's best friend, my sister, and then my best friend. So it would have been a bit weird in your week with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was actually still so much fun. We like saw heaps, and I loved it. And I just want to go travel all the time. I'm like, was literally like, you can't. You're a professional athlete. I know, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just want to quit my life. Yeah, that's quit sad. everything. And I was like, I want to go live on these little big shacks on like the yeah. rock coastline in Croatia and just say sayonara, say, sayonara yeah. <laughs> to like everyone. And make you a deal. Yeah. When you win the next Olympics and you get your gold medal, you can. Full okay. permission to. <laughs> you, you make that yeah. deal. Yep. Are you going to fund the trip for me? Or? Yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> the hockey thing is a good sport. I remember, I think it was Drew Mitchell, wasn't it? And he had to choose between, because there's a lot of Australian sports that are just Australian, like AFL, yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. Or, or rugby league, yeah. which a lot of athletes going in towards. And then he was like, he uh, had a contract to pick between rugby league and rugby union and he's like if you play rugby league you'll play in newcastle and sydney once a year if you play rugby union you'll play in london and paris which mm. one do you want to play mm. and then when hockey has that you know where you can travel the whole world yeah where if you pick some other sports you are pretty much yes like yeah Australia. it's like a, yeah essentially like, a yeah, afl yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly Fuck AFL. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah like i know like they make so much money it just kills me my like um oh, i call him my cousin he's like well like, Anyway, he's like my somewhat cousin. He's from Papua New Guinea but lives with my cousins and he's been over here for years. So I called my cousin and we were talking one day about like he was on like a rookie contract when he first came over and um, he was literally like, yeah, I'm on like my rookie contract and stuff. And I was like, oh, like how much money do you get for that? And he was like, oh, 80 grand. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then he was like talking about how he gets paid like money then when you like for each game that you yeah. play and stuff as well. And I was just there like, oh, my God. Like, I wish I was born a boy. <laughs> like, yeah, but, no, it's like, yeah. And it's like those guys obviously like, yes, they just 
AFL is just played in Australia. Mm. And you think, how the heck could mm. there be so much money for a sport that isn't even played internationally? But, yeah, there is. Well, it has to improve, right? you just got to keep winning tournaments and inspiring people and get them it's not a big ask is it just yeah. go and win we'll this podcast will change well, I mean, <laughs> and olympics yeah. will be fine. if you are a rich sponsor out yeah. there well that's it obviously you do need people jump yeah. you do need people yeah that is like one thing uh, we've been i've been boxing for the last 12 months and all the the pros at at my gym everything they get is from sponsors yeah and these guys are earning like three four grand a week just from sponsorships because yeah. there's businesses who they've got like have to sponsor people to get their yes. <laughs> their income yes, down yes yes or the taxable their tax tax bills down and yeah. like there are companies that are just fucking piss money away yes and that's the thing like that I always say to people is like there would be all these companies out there who would love to like sponsor our team or sponsor our players but it's like actually making those connections but it's like even if we won an Olympic gold medal we wouldn't like people ask me when I got back from the Olympics like oh how much did you get paid when you were at the Olympics and I was like nothing. You don't get paid whilst you're at the Olympics. Like you don't get paid to go to the Olympics. Like yeah. you're, you're just you're just competing, and so it's like even if I won an Olympic gold medal, I wouldn't get paid Bonkers. more for that. Like I wouldn't get paid more for that. But it would be like sponsors. You'd yeah. then like yeah. hopefully attract to be like, okay, you've got an Olympic gold medal. Like I want to sponsor you or like you know what I mean. That's where it would be. So it's not even like the. Um, yeah, like if you are successful, yeah. that you'll make more yeah. money. So even like getting crowds to stadiums, they were talking. Listen to another another podcast, funnily enough, <laughs> but they were talking about like how rugby teams. It's like irrelevant whether they get crowds to the game or not, mm. because you know at, at Twickenham, it's like a million dollars just to like fucking open the stadium. Yes, people don't. It's all sponsorship. Yeah, like if people are invested in the sport, sponsors get involved. That's what pays pays the players yeah and that's why like um hockey so they started the pro league competition i think it was in 2019 they started it and um we now have the hockey one league as well in australia so they're kind of like the hockey one league here is like essentially like the big bash kind of thing yeah. for like cricket but it's for hockey so instead of playing for like queensland it's now like brisbane blaze is like our team kind of thing so with the pro league and then like the hockey one league and stuff, they're trying to make it like more professional leagues. So it's like, yes, we have our big tournaments, Com Games, World Cup, Olympics, all that kind of stuff. But like, yes, this pro league stuff is meant to be now like having this pro league for players and like mm. sponsors and like getting, I think, hockey like exposure um, in like lots of other countries. As I said, it's like huge in some yeah. countries, but that league is like them trying to make like a pro league for the sport essentially so it's like it it doesn't like die out or anything like mm. that but yeah at olympics and all those kinds of stuff like hockey still has like the biggest crowds yeah. but it's like it's every four years we need to see it more you yeah know, you want it to be weekly we need to be able to see hockey you know because i know rugby started at they started on youtube and the commentary was good and that yeah. was good enough and now they're on stan sport a couple of years later but like yeah. that's the progression that it needs to make yeah and unless they put that effort in there to get viewers there then it's always going to be difficult to understand the reach that and the capability that I, that it could oh, yeah, have. 100%. And like even like after the um, World Cup and Com Games and also Olympics, like people had said to me like, I've never watched a game of hockey and like I love watching it. They're like, I don't – I don't like – like, don't get me wrong, I don't know all the rules. Like I don't mm. know what's going on half the time but like I loved watching it and like they say like you guys, what you do is just amazing. Like you're so athletic, all this stuff. And I think there's like almost like a newfound um, – well, they kind of like respect you for what you yeah. do. It's so like, mm. oh, I didn't even know this is what it was like playing yeah. hockey. And I think they like watch the sport and yes, become so invested in it. But 
because they don't often have exposure to it. Like they, yeah. they don't know what's going on. But you need to because they're like, you know, I'm going to grow up and my daughter, I want to be able to watch female sport and I needs to be as easily accessible as male sport. Otherwise, yeah. you're just watching men play sport a whole life. Yeah, 100%. Doesn't benefit much. Last question. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give for young athletes who are a little lost right now but wanting to play sport? I would say advice for a young athlete. They might be stuck, may have not started anything yet, doesn't know if that's the way that they should go down. I would say um, look for a role model who inspires you and then like to to learn off them. And then I would say that whatever you do, do it with love and an open mind um, for the right reasons and you will not look back. Yeah, that's what I'd probably say. Sport, the greatest thing. Where can people find you? At my house. If that <laughs> <laughs> and that is. Yeah. Often at the hockey fields. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they can find me on Instagram, Rosie Malone, rosie.malone on Instagram. Uh, also on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> you? With the young crowd, I do, do dabble dance? on TikTok. You dance. <laughs> I, I do dabble on a few dance moves. Some of my teammates are so anti doing dances and I'm nah. like, if you want to get We're on dancing. TikTok, you have to dance. <laughs> I know a girl that plays for like um, the Black Ferns. Yeah. And she's on TikTok, Charlotte, and it's hilarious. She's just like literally like whirling all the time. Yeah. And like her whole team, to play for Newcastle Knights last year, and her yeah. whole team are just like in. Yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to jump <laughs> the, on board. For the greater like, good. <laughs> just yeah. follow, just follow if my If you want to do it, lead. you have to jump on board. You just have yeah. to throw yourself in there. But that's the stuff that will go as well. People want to oh, see that stuff. Yeah. They want to be able to see their athletes and stuff. They want to yeah. be able to communicate and connect with them. It's easy. Like, well, obviously, Kyra comes to our gym and luckily enough, we introduced yeah. us together and then we've got this going. Yeah. Social media can be a wonderful thing. 100%. It used to be like when I'd meet young kids, they'd be like, can I get a photo with you? Can you sign my stick? Mm. Now, like, no joke, 50% of the time it's, can you do this TikTok with us? Oh, no <laughs> And I am a sucker. I, I cannot say no. Like, even if I'm standing there, like, let's say I've just lost a game. Like, yeah. I am not feeling it. Can you do And they say, t- can you do a TikTok with us? And it's like a dance, obviously. Yeah. There's little girls on two dances. And I just turn to them like, yep, I can do it. No <laughs> way. Like, doing the dance with them. So, yeah, you'll see me on TikTok. Well, thank you very much <laughs> for coming on. Um, I will certainly be down to watch. Okay. <laughs> Impressive. I mean, I had a go before. I wasn't very good. No, you guys were good. The bounce and hit in the end. Yeah, we got yeah. it. But again, very tough Our. sport. So I'll, I'll, I'll 100% be down. I didn't even know this place was here. And I think that oh. just says yeah. enough. You know, I play sport in the local area for a long time. Sean's lived and played sport in the local area. Like literally within this sort of <laughs> like 10 kilometer radius. So close to that. <laughs> You're like, I never knew this yeah, existed. But we don't know this exists. And it's yeah. like, I suppose the big thing is, is why? Yeah. Like, why don't we? Yeah. No. A hundred percent. Rosie never invited us. Yeah. I'll have a billboard on the street sign now. Yeah. Like this hockey. But yeah, we have some games coming up so you can. We'll put them online. all the details. We'll put them online. But thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me.